You've taken your first step into a larger world. That's good. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Force Material. We're uh, we're here. It's three a.m. We've just come out of a screening of uh, the Last Jedi. We've got our espresso martinis. Cheers. Cheers. And we're ready to talk about it with you. Uh, it's the vodka Red Bull of the millennial generation. That, that's right. What what an experience that was, Baz. Yes, that was something else. For, well, first of all. Uh, I should warn everybody up front, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen the movie yet, stop. Yeah. Stop right now. Uh, this is not a spoiler-free review. We, this is a spoiler-filled review we, we reaction. We spoiler-filled review in big letters in the title of this podcast. Yeah, it's it's all spoilers <laughs> all the time. It's just spoilers. It's not even going to be coherent. We're just going to be yeah. yelling random spoilers at you for be- an hour. Because, oh my god, I don't know how we're going to be able to stop talking about this. <laughs> That's story. right. But we assume if you're listening to this, you've seen it. Uh, or perhaps you're just that rare breed who prefers to know what's going to happen before you see it. But however it works, uh, just be aware that we are going to be spoiling stuff. So we're going to give you five seconds here now to just turn off the podcast, walk away, come back once you've seen the film. Five, four, three, two... One. Okay, Baz. Let's start off the podcast with a, a toast to uh, to a deserving a deserving character. It's something we've talked about quite a bit on the Force Material podcast. Yes. A toast to Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. <laughs> Long live the Supreme. Long Leader. live Supreme Leader <laughs> Kylo Ren. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you've listened to the Force Material pod, you'll know this is a, a horse I've been beating for a little while. Mm. The idea that Kylo Ren would uh, would overthrow Snoke and take his place at the head of the First Order. Uh, by the end of this film. Snoke is now half the man he used to be. That's right. Spoilers, that happened. <laughs> He's been Darth Mauled. He has, he has. The Praetorian Guard weren't involved, so our friends over at the door, Claire, I like their idea that the Praetorian Guard would be in, involved in the, in, the, in, the, in the betrayal of yeah. Snoke, because it fits with history. But that was, a, that was a bit of a red herring. It was all Kylo. All Kylo. All Kylo all the time. Mm. Very cleverly but, uh, done. Very cleverly done. Very Snoke cleverly was done. almost... I think it's the sort of thing, if you go back and rewatch it, it'll actually be almost funny, the degree to which Snoke is telegraphing that he's about to die. Yeah. But uh, but it, still. He's a caricature of overconfidence. Yeah, um, it's a bit... Not, not to say that it's a clumsily written character or anything, but... It's, it's a great scene. It's yeah. just funny how all his instructions are, like, just vague enough to apply to what <laughs> Kylo is about to do to him, but also to what he wants him to do to Ray. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a great scene. So Kylo was better at mental obfuscation than Snoke thought. Exactly. And that was his downfall. Exactly. Yeah. He underrated Kylo. Let's pull one out. Well, not actually, but uh, yeah. theoretically, uh, 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 pull one out for, for Snoke. It's amazing how much that scene, you know, reminds you of the end of Return of the Jedi, mm. right? Because you have these two connected force users and mm. an Imperial type presence mm. trying to manipulate them against each other. So it just lets you see if, if Luke and Vader had settled the differences a little earlier in that fight and mm. joined together. Things could have gone very differently. Similar to Return, but before the, it's just like Return of the Jedi crowd yeah. comes out, the twist, which 
we called, and I'm only I'm only crying about this because we got everything else wrong. So let's <laughs> let's at least be excited about the one yes. thing we got right. Yeah. The twist, obviously, is that it's not Darth Vader uh, finding the good in his heart and killing the Emperor. It's Kylo killing Snoke, but just replacing the you know Snoke yeah. slash the Emperor. There's a brief, lovely moment there where you think something good is going to come of this. And I remember, I mean, there's a great fight with the Praetorian Guard that mm. ensues after this. Snoke having mm. and <laughs> and I remember during the fight uh, thinking what's going to happen now if you know there's no supreme leader Hooks can't carry the bad guys on his mm. own we haven't seen Phasma yet mm. um, if Kylo and Rey join forces who's who's the enemy no I think it like I'll be honest that that is the one part of the movie where I think I had it like pretty much yeah very close to exactly what how that you know in terms of like that they would team up to fight Snoke and then Kylo would assume control and Ray would be like, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't, you know, what I was, yeah. I'm not, I'm not down for this. And then, you know, Kylo would lead the assault on Crate at the end. I think it's the Kylo Ren episode. I don't know where we talked about it, but, but anyway, it's, it's pretty exciting. It sets up episode nine in an incredible way yeah. with the two new, uh, protagonists at the helm and, you know, they let the past die. The, the older characters <laughs> yes. have, sort of step to the side uh and very very sadly in the case of uh, of uh Admiral Akbar. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so real talk, I did not even register that Admiral Akbar had died. Uh that totally <laughs> there's a lot going on. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of fake outs. There's a lot of like, oh, yeah, this person's dead, but they're not actually dead. Mm-hmm. And so I think at first I was like, oh, he's not dead. And then I'm like, oh, he's okay. He's, yeah. not, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. So, uh, yeah, no, he's yeah. he's gone. But I, I was mainly referring to Jedi Master Luke Skywalker there. Yeah. yeah. But is he really gone? Well, I think he'll still be in Episode Nine, yeah. tormenting Kylo. Uh, he's going to be a, a fun little uh, Jimmy Cricket on the shoulder of yes. uh, of Kylo there in Episode Nine for yeah. sure. No one ever really leaves. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah. It almost sounded like we might even see Han play that sort of role as well. You know, when he told him, "Like I'll be, I'll be tormenting you the whole time, just oh, like your father." But I guess many. he meant that metaphorically, yeah. not that Han's literally coming back as a Force ghost. Too many Force ghosts. Too many Force ghosts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Which segues nicely into a Force ghost that I wasn't quite expecting to see. Yeah, no, film. I was hoping, but mm. I wasn't. I wouldn't have bet my life on it. But uh, uh, and also, as, as you've probably gathered for listener we're not doing this in any type of order we're literally just no. naming things as we think of them yeah. and saying wasn't that cool because it's all really cool uh, yeah and it it's 3am and we're having coffee <laughs> alcohol drinks so yoda yoda is in this movie mm. it's beautiful it's one of the best scenes in all of star wars <laughs> it's so great it's, it's uh it's all crotchety mischievous yoga yoda from dagobah yeah as well which yeah. is my favorite yoda it's yoda who's learned the lessons of prequels mm-hmm. that the, the, the Jedi Order doesn't the pomp and circumstance of the Jedi Order doesn't mean anything like yeah. that it was never about you know the the sacred texts and the temples and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and I think in the prequels he may be bought into the hype of all the Jedi Order a little too much and he you know he realizes at the end of uh, episode three especially in the novelization at the end of episode three that Qui-Gon was right all along that he should have paid less attention to the kind of he should have been less strict about the teachings of the Jedi Order. Um, and then, you know, if you follow that thread through, you kind of see that and how he instructs Luke in the originals. But it really comes through in this one when he destroys 
the uh, the tree, the yeah, force tree. When Luke can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Luke can't bring himself to do it, so Yoda does it <laughs> and destroys the sacred Jedi text, which, to be fair, Luke had not actually bothered to read, which I think fits the character yeah, pretty well, actually. <laughs> not, not exactly page turners, <laughs> So many great lines. So, so many great, so many lines, great that, lines that are very Ryan Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually love to, in that Yoda sequence, there's a line that I think is great because it kind of... Probably for me, like, the most iconic Yoda line has always been do or do not, there is no try. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that sounds very profound, but then if you think about it, you're like, wait, is that a good life lesson? Like, shouldn't shouldn't you try things and be prepared to fail? And then in this film, Yoda gives him a lesson that mm. is uh, probably more... Uh, maybe a little more practical when he tells him, you know, failure is the greatest teacher. Yeah, which, um, which is odd because he should really have said uh, the greatest teacher, failure. True, true, true. Maybe he did. Yeah. I can't remember. Well, it's, I don't think he did because yeah. I, I was looking very closely at that. And I, I, think, I think he might have, actually. I think Yoda may have learned how to speak English properly. <laughs> but yeah. Probably very little to do when you're a force ghost. But a lot of his sentence structure was just normal sentence structure. I'll have to pay attention to that the second time his last, his last two or three lines were. Because mm. at that point I was really tuning into it going, mm. come on Yoda, speak, <laughs> speak like you used to. But that's a minor quote. It was a beautiful scene. Yeah, uh, he scene. was, uh, Frank Goss was amazing in that yeah. scene. And he, um, he, the the uh, I th- I mean I think it was a puppet. We're 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 saying we're going puppet Yoda. We don't know. We haven't looked it up. Um, Maybe it, was it could a, have been CGI, CGI being made to face. look yeah. like a puppet, but yeah. it looked like the old school puppet Yoda. Mm. So it could, yeah, it's, it's probably a combination of both. That's when these effects tend to yeah. tend to work best. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Yoda. Um, so I guess. Up top, I mean, we've talked about the thing that we were right about, uh, which was literally <laughs> literally the one thing we, we were right about yep. in terms of uh, predicting what's going to happen in this movie, um, which was uh, which was uh, the Kylo and, and Ray briefly teaming up before Kylo um, takes control of the First Order. But in terms of something we were wrong about, but I'm very happy to be wrong <laughs> about... Uh, Probably what everybody's talking about is right after the screening. Ray's not a Skywalker. Ray's not a Kenobi. Uh, Ray's not a Snoke. Ray's not a Palpatine. Ray's not a Tarkin. Ray's not a, a Lars. Ray's not anything. Ray's Ray, and it works. I don't know. I don't know if we're sure about that. I think that's. I think it would undermine this film if she later turned out. Then again, I was wrong about. <laughs> I don't know. I'm prepared to be wrong again. I think they've. I think they did a pretty good job of explaining, uh, of making it work that she's a nobody in this movie, and I don't want them to. Uh, I think they should stick with that. Then again, I guess at this point, maybe now they've established that she's nobody, so you could turn out that she is a somebody, and it wouldn't matter because, you know. She does, she's not basing her identity on her okay. family. Okay, let's break this down. A, I'm not willing to trust anything that comes out of Benny Solo's mouth at this point. True. B, how does he know? How does he know? He saw it in a vision. He saw it in a vision. She saw things in a vision. He saw things in a vision. It's cool. Okay, right. I'll and buy, she I'll buy she that. seems to believe it. It's a it's a search your feelings. You know it to be true moment. Yeah. And she seems to know it to be true. But I I kind of think it's what she wants or needs to hear at that point, and mm. he's trying to manipulate her. It fits with what we've seen. Mm. I mean, all we've seen is her being abandoned as a child on Jakku while the ship yeah. flies away, and she calls out for it. And, and, and given, it makes given to Ankar plot. Yeah, and yeah. it makes more sense. Even though I definitely did want her to be a Skywalker for the mythological resonance of having this family go down through the generations um it is 
it's the, the the problem with that has always been like so why would Luke like abandon her on this hellhole like instead of just taking her with him to Ark Two or like the practice the the, mm-hmm. the howl of how she was going to turn out to be a Skywalker or a Kenobi or or my incredibly elaborate needlessly elaborate as it turns out uh, clone theory. Uh, that's a great theory. I love that theory. Well, it's gone. I and shied okay. away from it briefly near the end there, but I'm, I'm so same. I, I, in that people <laughs> who listened to the last episode or the second last, whatever episode we were doing our last Jedi predictions, I started out saying she's going to be a nobody. That's how they're leaning it into. Then I, then I decided to reverse course, and I was like, no, no, no. I have to back my stupid clone Skywalker theory. I spent too much time on it. She's a clone Skywalker, and I was wrong, and that's okay. And in doing so, you managed to convince me not to back that theory <laughs> and back the yeah, she's a Skywalker theory, yeah, which uh, made me wrong too. Yeah, so we were anyway, both wrong, and that's wrong. okay. But I'm happy to be wrong because I think the way they the way that they did that, um, the reveal that her family is nothing, and and you know the way Kylo puts it, like you don't have a, a, a part in this story, um, is beautiful because it gets back to. What Star Wars is, the original Star Wars is about before Luke finds out that he's Anakin Skywalker's mm-hmm. son and definitely before he finds out that he's Darth Vader's son. It gets back to the scene on Tatooine staring out at the twin sons, yeah. a nobody who wants to be somebody. And Ray is now that character. And then we see at the end of the film what that means in terms of, you know, just a, a kid on Canto Bite who's been inspired by the resistance and now he's having his own little Luke Skywalker moment staring out at this at the sky. A kid who did, did you notice that the broom seemed to jump into his hand? I sure did. Right. Yeah. That wasn't just me. I, I mean it could have been a it could have been a trick of the light, I don't know. Yeah. Because it was very dark. It's it's all very it's all very crossover you know, standing there with a broomstick. Is he about to get his Hogwarts letter <laughs> or is he about to go and join It's his very team? Hogwarts and the yeah. little like Dakota ring kind of thing he's <laughs> yeah. holding up like that's not Harry Potter, but it's very uh uh, it escapes in what franchise that is, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's I, I of I course that... this is all this is all George Lucas. I mean, he he wrote Luke S to, mm. to be him. Maybe, yeah, George Lucas. He lived in a nothing town, and he he dreamed of getting away, and he was he didn't fit in with the local kids. Yeah, yeah. it's that whole thing. Like George Lucas spoke this into existence. You know, like George yes. Lucas, like he didn't come from anything, and he made all this happen. And I think that's, uh, I mean. Uh, this whole like when we've been talking about like who's Ray going to be blah 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 blah, I've always kind of had the little caveat that if she is a nobody, like they would have to do it extremely well for it to not seem like a cheat. Mm-hmm. But the upside of it is this idea that like yeah, that you don't have to come from something to be something, and that um, that heroism is not a, a monarchy. It's not a title that gets passed down. Like yeah. it's. It's, well, you know, most most Disney princesses get their start scrubbing floors, don't they? Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love the idea of now we're setting up these little kids to be, uh, you know, to become part of the resistance and the the, the spark that lights the fire that, yeah. that'll burn the first order down. Oh, they're going to need some people. I mean, yeah. everyone who's left in the resistance can fit inside, you know, one one light freighter. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's full on. I do think it's interesting. Obviously, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you know Carrie Fisher does not die in the film. Um, there is a moment where that where they wow. come extremely close <laughs> to her dying. Oh my god! I don't think that like it was one of the most emotional moments I've ever had in a movie theater because I really thought that was how she was going to go out for a second, but then to see her mm. come back to life was even 
it was even more powerful in a way because we know obviously that in real life yeah. that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, and and to see her use her force powers like yeah. amazing, like that's that's she, all... she's not just an empath; she can do more. And that's <laughs> one of the things that I love about this movie. And I, my initial reaction to the people that we saw it with straight afterwards was best one since the original. I'm going to need to see it again once or twice or three or four or five more times while it's out to, uh, to, to really, you know, lock in on that one way or the other. But one of the things that makes this one so great is that we get to see all these things that as fans, we have always wanted to see. Yeah. So we get to see Leia use her force powers. We get to see Luke, one man stand against an army using his, is uh, peak. I mean that that is peak Star Wars. That scene yeah. on crate, especially when it turns out Luke was faking the kid out the whole time. <laughs> Amazing. Did you call that? No. Ah, uh, right. Because I I knew there was something up. He looked. It was interesting that he looked like he did in Kylo's flashbacks, and not like he actually did in the present. Yeah. Like he had the shorter hair, and and I I, I think it was probably you know no disrespect to Mr. Mark Hamill because he's fantastic, but I think it was probably his head. CGI'd onto someone else's body. Possibly. It did look um, a little strange looked, in the flashbacks, yeah, for sure. I had a little bit of Uncanny Valley there mm. watching that. I think it might have just yeah. been a bad wig. I think maybe that was all it was. <laughs> maybe. But uh, the moment when I started to doubt everything I was seeing was when he pulled out the lightsaber that we know has been destroyed. Yeah. Um, and I thought, has he, has he built another? Is it the same? Has he built something very similar? And then I went, ah, there's something going on here. Now, speaking of lightsabers... Uh... I guess my question, you know, is, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't really know the guy, but just, uh, just, you know, thinking of a, a fellow podcaster here, is still Saunders okay? Can someone check that he's okay? Because uh, the green, <laughs> the green was ignited once, once, and yeah. only in a moment that's kind of a character assassination for Luke. Um, mm-hmm. And when when the big heroic stand comes, he uh, he ignites the blue, and it's not even it's not even real. Uh, yeah. So. That, let's yeah, talk about the... You would have think that would have tipped Kylo Ren off, though. Mm. That part of the illusion, Kylo should know, because he was there when that lightsaber was Be- destroyed. Because he, he is just... known for his rational thinking. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, yeah, it just it paints him as a little bit stupid and rash, but then he is. That's what he is. Yeah, that's 100% what he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's powerful, there's no doubt about that. And yeah. I think it's interesting, we see in this film, obviously we see Ray's development, but... You know, what's kind of underpinning that in terms of, especially going into episode nine, is Kylo's development, mm-hmm. because Kylo has also gotten more powerful. Because if you remember, you know, episode seven, she calls the lightsaber to her with no trouble over Kylo's outstretched hand. Yeah. In this film, neither of them has the upper hand, and yeah. it splits the lightsaber in half. Uh, because Kylo is not uncertain anymore. Like, Kylo knows what he wants. He doesn't, mm-hmm. He's not clouded with all the doubt that he had in the original movie. He's cast the past aside, and he set himself up as the, the supreme leader. Um, and he's he's ruling the galaxy like he wants. If he could teeter on the edge of be- becoming good once, I think he could again in episode nine. Oh, I don't think there's a redemption arc no, I now. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's Star Wars. There's always a chance of redemption, and even in this film, you know, you know, nobody's yeah. ever really gone. If if, uh, if, if Luke got in his ear, enough, yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that moment where um, where we have the the kind of Rashomon version. Of what happened in that hut that night. Fantastic. That was great. Um, and, you know, I still don't really know if we've seen the truth. I think the, the I think what Luke, truth. the final version of the story that Luke tells is probably the it's truth. It's probably very close to the truth. Yeah. 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 As, as close as anybody can ever really get yeah. to the truth in a flashback. It's all but, uh, that's, subjective. That's possibly the moment that Mark Hamill had a 
big issue with when he read the script. That's that's like, actually when when I was watching it for the most part, I was able to sort of put aside all you know thoughts about like all the behind the scenes stories we've heard and stuff like that. Mm. But definitely in that scene, I'm like, oh, okay, like this is what Mark Hamill was talking about when he had a problem with how Luke was written. But I think the way I think the scene with Yoda totally explains it and mm. justifies it. And it just shows us that Luke is not infallible. Yeah. And especially when we see that he wasn't going to follow through with it, that he wasn't actually going to kill him. Um, I think it kind of makes it oh, well, okay you know is a strong word. But... He, he was when he lit the lightsaber. That's that's the, you know, mm. you can't deny that. Oh, it, true. It, it may have just been a fleeting moment, but yeah. he was capable of murdering his nephew. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a big development for Luke Skywalker. It is, especially coming from... You know, he's the guy who threw away his lightsaber when the Emperor... Yes. I mean, that's the most heroic act in, in maybe all of movies, <laughs> let alone uh, all of Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but I, I suppose, it, you know, as he said, he, he saw the future. He saw that Kylo was going to destroy everything that he'd built and everything his friends had built. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd need to see it a, a couple... I, I need to... That's one I think we all probably need to ponder a little bit on, is, like, does the, is that really in character for Luke? Mm. I think as a moment of weakness, it is, because Luke has always had those moments of impetuousness, and he hasn't always thought things through. And I could see him thinking about it for a second before deciding not to do it, which, mm. is, what, which is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, genius... Because nobody predicted that. No. Absolutely nobody who has been trying to figure out. None of us who've been trying to figure out how Kylo turned, what happened on Acto. Nobody, not, not Acto, on, at the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Nobody predicted that Luke provoked him by trying to kill him. Yeah. Like, that he tried to strike first and that Kylo, you know, woke up and... No, nobody predicted that Luke kind of essentially dared him into it accidentally. Yeah. Hey, one of the other things we were wrong about. Mm. I really thought we were going to see the Knights of Ren in this film. Same. Uh, I thought they were. I think probably... they've. I think they've given up on that. Well, I don't know because um, wasn't there that line there? Where I took a few other he students. Took a few of the students with him, so mm. that must be the Knights of Ren. Uh, and I, you know, we've talked about this before. We thought they were just probably general bad eggs that he you know, flocked to his banner. His trench coat point. mafia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, if they were students just like him that mm. kind of paints a different complexion although they're, they're going to be young kids like him well that's kind of what we thought though wasn't it that uh, they well, were other students well i wasn't sure i wasn't sure if they were other students right. or, or just you know ragtag kind of bounty hunter types almost or, oh okay you know i yeah. thought we were saying that they were other students that were like also bad students mm. like but whatever yeah that's that seems like who they are yeah um, and we still haven't seen them yet. So that's a, there's a couple things that we're saving for episode nine, apparently. Yeah. Um, so the Knights of Ren will be an episode nine thing, hopefully. You're thinking. Uh, yeah. And we talked on the, on the way over, uh, they don't have a lot of nostalgia cards left to pull in episode nine. <laughs> but one of the one big one they haven't, they haven't pulled yet is Lando. Lando so yeah. we could see Lando in, uh, in episode nine, but you never know. We both thought Lando was going to answer the call that Leia put out. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely a more cinematic moment for Luke to answer the call, but yeah. I was, I was pretty convinced Lando was going to show up there. And I mean, it's probably for the best that he didn't because it, it would have been an amazing moment for fans, but it wouldn't have really fit into this story. If he, I feel like the movies all have to stand on their own to some degree. And this mm-hmm. one does a really good job of that. There's not really a lot in here that like, doesn't make sense unless you've seen the other movies. I think they do a pretty good job of like making this standalone. And there's so much happens in this movie. Yeah. Like it's almost its own like 
you you could split the events of this movie into three movies easily. Yeah, I, but, but what I love about it is it feels more like a single piece than mm. almost any other Star Wars movie. It, mm. feels, it feels less episodic, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're, they're holding less over for next time. Yeah. Like, when it ends, it's like, oh, cool. Like, obviously, you know, we're setting up the, the resistance to grow in future films. Mm. We're setting up Kylo to keep spreading the First Order in future films. But it does feel like this story ended. Yeah. Like, it feels like we got a... Con- it was not, it's not Empire Strikes Back, where it's it's a great film, but the one thing about that film is, like, it doesn't really end. Yeah. This film ends. It's it's a it's a chase movie from start to finish. Yeah. It's the Resistance trying to get away. It's uh, Battlestar Galactica. It, that's it's, exactly it's the Battlestar Galactica yeah. reboot. I got strong Battlestar Galactica vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting because there's actually been a couple of sneaky little Battlestar Galactica references in the Marvel Star Wars comics lately, and I don't know if that's a case of maybe the writers having a little bit of inside info and just dropping that in there, or if it was just a massive coincidence. Yeah, or or they're needling Glenn A. Larson about uh, ripping off yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean that's that's the history of it is that Lucas hated Battlestar Galactica because he saw it as ripping. I mean, he sued them for ripping off his uh, ideas for which is ironic given the whole nature of this podcast <laughs> yes. um but but then he uh but but uh that now ryan johnson obviously the battlestar galactica reboot came out in the mid 2000s and mm-hmm. was incredible uh, that last episode eh. but until then um and yeah it definitely seemed to be a big influence on the resistance being hunted by the first order mm. i suppose it's almost like a fury road thing as well like the yeah the the, ch- the chase that essentially lasted an entire movie yeah but because it was like in space and you're dealing with like one fleet versus another fleet kind of thing i, I saw it more as battlestar galactica yeah it's very cool and and uh sort of going back to the film camp stuff that we've mm. been talking about for the last seven podcasts yes um I, I do remember thinking about several things that you know in, that our influence is coming coming out in while i was watching this mm. and uh the strongest one by far i think is sahara um, really yeah you've got this uh this crew that keeps dwindling they're running out of fuel mm. they're in a hostile environment mm. um they, certainly they, like the last sort of third of the yeah. movie on crate and yeah. they eventually reach a place that they have to defend against mm. huge numbers um so just in terms of story structure i can see how sahara mm. relates to this really strongly mm. Um, and I can also see how To Catch a Thief relates to the Canto Bite sequence. Oh, absolutely. In fact, they basically had Cary Grant there. Yeah. Well, that was uh, Justin Thoreau essentially plays Space James Bond, yes. uh, which is a great little misdirect. <laughs> like, we think he's going to... Well, I suppose we all knew that Benicio was going to be the uh, the, the slicer there. But, uh, yeah, there is a cool little moment there where it looks like they're maybe setting up. I thought maybe that was, like, Benicio with some sort of, like, face-altering disguise mm, or whatever. But no, yeah, it was just no. a completely different character. <laughs> but that's cool. Maybe we'll see Space James Bond again in a maybe. future... Adventure. I don't know if anyone, if anyone listening has ever read uh, Agent of the Empire, the Dark Horse. It was a series Dark Horse did like just before the handover. Mm-hmm. Probably the last like really great thing that Dark Horse did with the license. And it's literally like James Bond, but if James Bond worked for the Imperial Empire instead yeah. of the British Empire, and it's like it's it's real good. And so yeah, like it'd be cool to see like that Justin Thoreau character. I mean, I know it was probably a throwaway, yeah. a throw throwaway. A throwaway. Ger- <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I apologize. Good. I know where the door is. I took my hand. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, I doubt we're going to see it in uh, in in future future yeah. films. But it would be cool. I, I thought I really thought Canto Bite was going to be a huge part of this film. I thought it was going to be a really big, you know, long lasting kind of mm. sequence. And and it was really done and dusted in like fifteen minutes. I think it was important. It mm. was a, a a brief but a small but pivotal role. Yeah. Uh, the, the the for Canto Bite um, because it really. 
you know, it told, it taught us a lot, it told us a lot about who, uh, Rose and Finn are and really did help kind of establish a lot of the seeds for this, for this, for the growth of the resistance. Um, I figured it like, I'm, I'm not like, I never really thought about exactly how many minutes it was going to be on screen or anything like that, but I, I figured it would be like not a huge part in the movie. Probably a little bit bigger than it was though. I, I love the, uh, the fact that it's used to set up a, a gray area quite unlike anything we've really seen in Star Wars before. Mm. Um, the part where they're getting away on the ship and DJ is cycling through the yes. the weapon sales. And it turns out this guy's been selling weapons to both the First Order and the Resistance. Yeah. And you're like, wow. You know, the, these guys who fuel the war machine, they don't care who they sell to. They're just making money. And both sides are kind of as bad as each other in a way. Yeah, and that's been something that... Uh, I mean, the film explores that in a lot of ways, this, this gray area between good and bad. And yeah. this, ultimately, it does come down to a classic Star Wars good versus evil scenario. But it, it's interesting, you know, the, the journey to how we get there at the end is interesting because there is a lot of, uh, a lot of exploration of, you know, the, uh, the crossover between good and evil and, um, which again, the comics have been hinting at recently, the Poe Dameron's, uh, storyline that's running at the moment. There's a whole subplot in there about Law Santeca looking for an artifact that, that hints at a, a unity between the dark side and the light side mm. and, and will show people how similar they are and can maybe get them working together. Like, it really does seem like Charles Soule at least is like, had a little bit of knowledge about what was going to happen in The Last Jedi yeah. based on, or maybe he's just a very cluey guy. I don't know, but, um. <laughs> But yeah, like he's definitely been been hitting some of those similar themes recently in the mm. comics. The uh, the theme of greyness is something we touched on quite a lot in our podcast as well. Mm. Um, the idea that there would be no Jedi and no Sith after this; it would be a, a kind of something in between, like a, a grey order of mm. users. Um, it's quite shocking, actually, to find out that Luke's one of Luke's final assertions is there will be another Jedi. And then we, we push yeah, it up a ray. That's it. We were so convinced that the Jedi would end. Would completely end, yeah. Uh, and no, the status quo is pretty much the same at the end of the movie, but with a new generation. Uh, and with, you know, with Kylo not really representing the Sith per se, no. but whatever, definitely the dark side. And I insist that I, I maintain the reason they've done away with the Sith is because of the stupid rule of two that uh, <laughs> has had boxed in the Sith as a, as a, a credible villain. But, um, but yeah, the 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 idea of a, a new kind of dark uh, dark force order rising up in over the next mm. few films is pretty cool. Do you think, at, based on what we've seen in this film, this is a trilogy? Do you think Episode Nine is it, or do you think they're setting us up for a never ending series of future films? Because I think you can argue it either way. Yeah, uh, you can argue it either way, and and I'm on the fence firmly. Mm. Um, that last scene of the last Jedi with the, the kid looking to the stars. That, that's, that's the start of something completely new. Mm, exactly. Yeah. 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 And with, you know, with Luke says as the, as the, as we focus on uh, Finn, I think it is, you know, the war is just beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, so I feel like we're going to see more than one movie with these characters, which I've been hoping for, for a little while mm. that like, I mean, I like the symmetry of, you know, and the, it's like poetry rhymes of having <laughs> yeah. a three trilogies, a trilogy of trilogies. But I also love these characters and would be happy to keep returning to them. Although it's interesting, like we said before, maybe one way to, de to delineate the new films, um, to have like a sequel trilogy and then like another sequel trilogy would be to maybe have like Snoke carried through as the villain for this trilogy and then have a new villain for the next trilogy. Mm. Obviously that can't that happen. That can happen, yeah. But maybe Kylo's the villain for this trilogy and then they move on to a new villain for yeah. the next trilogy. That's right. 
Um, um, that, that kind of puts a kibosh on my theory that Snoke was the connection to the unknown regions. Yeah, I mean, he could have been, but we're not going to explore it. Snoke yeah. was basically a, a a red herring. He was there just to give Kylo someone to overthrow. Immensely powerful, though. Mm. Some of the things Snoke was doing, like bridging two minds across the vastness mm. of space, and we haven't even talked about that. Yeah, how how incredible those scenes were. Yeah, because it's we haven't seen that like. Ryan Johnson, throughout this whole movie, he manages to... Well, first off, he pulls out a bunch of stuff we've talked about, which is stuff that fans have always wanted to see. So, like, Leia using her Force powers, Luke cutting loose with his Force powers to, like, the nth degree. Yeah. Um, But we also see stuff that we just haven't seen before in Star Wars movies, like cool little... Just little um, ways of showing things that we haven't seen before. So this idea of Kylo and and Rey being able to communicate across space, but, like but as if they're in the same room as each other yeah. and being able to actually like touch fingers and stuff is, is, uh, is pretty cool. And, and make little jokes about, can you, can you just put something, some, a shirt on? Line of the movie. <laughs> Absolute line of the movie. Cause we're all thinking it. And, yeah. and she, well, I'm sure there's some ladies in the audience who weren't thinking it, mm, but, yeah. but the most of us, a lot of us are thinking, you know, God, he, does he have to be, it's a little awkward that he's shirtless for this scene. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was great. That was cool. You could see the extent of the scar that you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just like a little facial scar. Yeah. Was... She she really did a number on him. Yeah, she really yeah. did. And I like that they addressed that in the movie as well. There was that line early on because that's something fans have been going on about for two years now. Is like they built up Kylo to be like this hot new uh, dark side user, and then he gets you know he's taken out like a chump by Ray at the yeah. end, and they have Snoke like lampshade that in the movie and just yeah. say. You know, I thought you were like the hot new thing, but you got taken out by a girl who's never even held a, a lightsaber before. Yeah. And they they make it very clear in this movie that that was because Kylo was so torn up with uncertainty about what he had done and who he was and where he was going, and yeah. that Kylo wasn't really like we 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 haven't seen Kylo at his full strength until near the end of this movie. And that was a great way of setting up his betrayal of Snoke as well, mm. like just whipping him until he. He just didn't want us to take it anymore. Yeah, like, it got no, to the no point you were on. Him. Yeah, yeah, you were on Kylo's side. Like <laughs> yeah, you, you wanted to see him kill Snoke. Like that that first scene where Snoke was kind of laying into Kylo, I was like, "It's actually going to happen." Like our our yeah. little theory about Kylo, like that's where they're going with this. He's a hundred percent taking out Snoke in this movie. That's like crazy. that's what this is about. And that's you know that um, speaks to the theme that emerged in our film camp studies about uh, changing allegiances mm. um, forever changing allegiances mm. yeah I mean there was definitely like a three outlaw samurai level of yeah. uh, of uh, betrayals and back and forths going on and here. not just in that kind of range of characters but also the, the whole thing that's going on with the Republic fleet with Poe in conflict with Admiral Holdo which is obviously also very 12 o'clock high very 12 o'clock high as well yeah which uh, but yeah and, and very Battlestar because in Battlestar, there were always these little tugs of war, of power, and a character. Because there's a scene, and I think we're meant to think this, where it looks like Holdo is a traitor. Because after she's been taken prisoner, and then she like shoots her way out of being taken prisoner, you're like, oh, okay, she's a traitor, and now she's getting free in order to help the First Order destroy this cruiser. But then like a couple scenes later, like the next scene with the Resistance, we see, oh no, like her and Leia like, are bros, and um, they were just taking Poe okay. out because they knew his idea was bad yeah. and that they knew their idea was better. Uh, and I also, I loved, cause I was uh, like a little, little bit disappointed when it did look like Holdo might be a traitor because I, I like the idea of Leia and Holdo 
being friends and not not having these women like pitted against each other because yes. that happens so often. Yes, and it was cool that they that they were actually. And it also would have undermined the Leia novel a little well, bit absolutely if, if Holdo had turned out to be a bad they're, guy. They're, they're best buddies in that. Yeah. Even though Holdo's a little quirky. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, the, yeah, my heart sank when I, when I thought Holdo was a traitor. I, and I thought, how am I going to come out of this, li-? you know, because I want to like her, I want to like Poe. Mm. How am I going to come out of this liking both of them? Mm. And Ryan Johnson found a way. He absolutely did. me to do that. He absolutely did. And it, it's like 12 o'clock high. Like, it's a study in leadership in yeah. terms of, like, there's more than one way to lead. And there's, there's there's valid arguments for you know for all the different ways, mm. but and then they ended up finding a a compromise. And Leia recognizes when Poe's ready to take the lead on yeah. Crate because for a while there it looks like they're kind of setting up unintentionally, obviously because they couldn't have known when they were writing this that that uh, Carrie Fisher would pass away. But it did look like they were sort of setting up Holdo to take the Leia role, yes. almost yeah. to the point where it was like, like if you told me, oh, they you know they wrote this after Carrie Fisher, like they wrote some of it after Carrie Fisher died, I would have believed you because mm-hmm. the scenes where she was sort of in a coma and Holdo was, ta- Holdo was taking over felt like, oh, maybe they had to do that because like she wasn't available because she was, had died. Yeah. And so Holdo's taken over. But no, that was all sort of part of the story. And then in the end, it's not Holdo or Leia that's leading the resistance going forward. It's Poe. Yeah. Which is great. Like that's the next logical step for his character. Like this movie is all about these characters figuring out who they are yeah. and like, growing like so much from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie like there's real character growth here which is so like so fascinating to watch so like we see poe go from being this sort of hothead who like is a great pilot but makes some really questionable decisions <laughs> uh to you know getting a lot of bomber pilots killed 12 o'clock high star mm, yep um to to being like a a kind of measured like a, a a guy who knows what he's doing as the the leader of the resistance at the at the end of the movie maximum effort maximum effort yeah uh we see finn go from a guy who i know his reasons were noble in wanting to protect ray but he essentially was deserting the resistance yeah he's, he's a double traitor now yeah <laughs> and then and then we see him uh He's, you know, he's willing to fly down the barrel of a massive gun and get himself I, killed i thought he was gonna die yeah me too they had me again. Mm. Also, miniaturized Death Star. <laughs> yeah. What a great little screw you to the people who didn't want to see another Death Star. But it's like, yeah, but what if we yeah. found a way to do it in a creative way that you haven't seen before? Yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> um, it was kind of like a, a, a land-bound Darksaber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that was great. Um, and then by the end of the movie, so he's gone from someone who was willing to desert to, like, he's fully ensconced in the resistance. Mm-hmm. Like, he's... He's all in. I still don't quite know what Finn's role is going to be going forward. You know, he hasn't really carved out that niche as a mm. leader yet. He's he's a kind of mythic hero figure. Yeah, for some reason. Second in command to, to Poe, maybe. Yeah, quite or, or like a... Yeah, I don't know. Loose cannon. Just yeah. out there being a hero, <laughs> but not the guy making the decisions in the uh, the conferences, necessarily. Yeah. Um, his fight with Phasma was good, but very short. And Phasma didn't really acquit herself that well again. I'm f- I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Phasma, the Phasma has the biggest gap in how she's portrayed on screen versus how she's portrayed in books in and, and comics. Else, yeah. Since uh, I don't know if you were ever like a Transformers guy in the eighties, yeah, old yeah, G one Transformers, yeah, definitely. The, the comics. Did you read the Transformers comics? I did. Do you remember in the comics, Shockwave mm. was like the coolest character like he was the leader of the decepticons for a while he was this great strategist he was like lethal he was like built up as like oh my god shockwave like 
He's the greatest. And the people making the cartoon were completely oblivious to all of this. And he was just a Decepticon in the background who didn't really do anything. <laughs> they like they they were like, yeah, Shockwave, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Whereas the people writing the comics were like, these are the toys we've got to play with, and Shockwave looks cool, and we're going to make Shockwave like a main character. To me, like the, if you read the Phasma book and the Phasma comics, she's an incredible character. Yeah. None of that comes through in the movies. None of it at all. None of it. This whole thing, this whole theme of, of the book and the comic that she's willing to survive at all costs and she'll betray anyone who gets in her way, whether they're First Order or Resistance or yeah. whoever, that she's... And that's how they justify her letting the shields down in The, in the Force Awakens is yeah. because she she doesn't really care about the First Order. She That's just her ticket to a better life. Yeah. Um, none of that comes through in the films. The, the, the Phasma in in the comics or the books would have shot Finn and Rose in the back of the neck and moved on. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. We saw a tiny little bit of Gwendolyn Christie oh, yeah, there. That was cool. that and was a scene cool. that was very reminiscent of uh, the end of Rebels season two yeah. when uh, Darth has that little that's right. hole in his mask and we see a little bit of Anakin yeah. in there. So, and that's just before she tumbles into a fiery, I don't know, I don't know, maybe death. True, I suppose there is an there is a way to to save this character still if she comes back in. I mean, I know the books and the comics have already saved her, but on screen, um, there's still a way for her to be cool. I guess if you bring her back for episode nine somehow, yeah. but that would be two movies in a row where she's apparently perished after not doing much, and yeah. you brought her back. Uh, but the first order is missing. It was hemorrhaging people. Yeah, true. It's <laughs> really just Kylo, and then a very disgruntled Hux. Very, very disgruntled Hux, and I, I and, and Adrian Edmondson. And Adrian of course, Adrian. I can't even remember if it was on the pod or before the pod or that we were talking about Adrian Edmondson. But um, obviously, if you're a fan of like British comedy, you know who Adrian Edmondson is. Uh, Vivian from the Young Ones, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Saunders's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking. Uh, me and my girlfriend were talking on the way over. Because she's more of a, she's a massive uh, Jennifer Saunders fan. Mm. And we're talking like, oh, remember those crazy old rumors that Adrian Edmondson was going to be in Last Jedi? Like, whatever happened with that? And we're like, oh, he's probably going to be an alien. Like, you won't even recognize him. And then he's like quite prominent in the yeah. film as Hux's sort of uh, offsider. Does he use the word bloody at the start Ooh. when he's getting exasperated? I, oh. I think he maybe does. I'll and, have to listen to and that. And I'm thinking that might be the first time we've heard that kind of level of language in a Star Wars film. Well, actually, yeah. it's interesting. You know, I talked before about the Battlestar references that seeped mm. into a couple of comics recently. There's a... Uh, in a pro, in <laughs> yeah. Prodamon recently, Princess Leia says fragging. Yeah, uh, Which right. is very, like, very Battlestar. It was always criffing. Yeah. Yeah. In the, and, the original... Uh, I think mostly shot through the, the role-playing games and the expanded universe novels. It was right. always criffing, yeah. That was that was the Star Wars version of fracking, oh, which the, predated fracking. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're expanding their curse word yeah, vocabulary, yeah. obviously. And I never thought I'd hear the word spunk in a Star Wars movie either. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's not a... It's not a rude word, really, no. but it's jarring. Well, it's not used in it's, a rude sense, I suppose no, we should it's say. it's not, but it's jarring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Although um, I never thought I'd, I'd hear the phrase page-turner in a Star yeah. Wars movie either. Especially being used in, like, an ironic way like yeah. that. That was great. Okay, also, that... I feel like that tells us that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is not going to be focusing on the origins of the Force like we originally thought it might, because he doesn't seem to care about that. No, no, if he this just movie, wants he, people to use it in really cool ways. Yeah, like this movie, <laughs> he quite aggressively, you know, if there's, a, if there's a thesis for this movie, it's that, you know, let the past die. Like, yeah. so he, he doesn't seem, uh, obviously the trailers 
um, you know, it, it teased those, uh, the books that we thought might be the Journal of the Wills. And I mean, I guess that's what they are. And, and they, they teased like the force tree and all that sort of stuff. But it was very, it ended up being quite, it's quite, it's quite off, off the cuff and, and a bit sort of a side note, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Stuff, and they're, yeah. they're dispatched and with good. fairly, uh, yeah. efficiently i love um you know luke's instruction to ray on what the force is you know yeah it's, it's a power that the jedi have no it's not it's not a power <laughs> that the jedi have it surrounds us and binds us yeah 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 it's incredible everything you said in that sentence was wrong which is a great a great callback <laughs> later on yeah oh there was something when we were talking about the first or the, the jedi books and things of that nature uh i don't know we'll, possibly we'll come back to it but uh any other surprises or anything like that for you? Uh, MVP of the whole movie, BB-8. BB-8 uh, piloting an ATST. Yeah, uh, stealing a ship. Yeah, um, the uh, droid stole a freighter. Yeah, so <laughs> that's it. Uh, firing some casino chips at the guards. Oh my god! Uh, and then blowing the smoke off his little um, gun. Thing. Yeah, it's so great. Fantastic. That's okay. That's something we should definitely talk about. Being mistaken for a slot machine. Yes. So, oh my god! Like I laughed so hard in this yeah. movie, and I know Ryan Johnson had talked in interviews a little bit about like, oh no, it's funny. Like you're not really getting that vibe from the trailers, mm. but trust me, it's funny. And I was kind of like, I'm sure it's funny in the way that like all the Star Wars movies are like, you know, a bit funny. You know, like, yeah. and that's something I want to do a pod on at some point. It's like, are the Star Wars movies funny? Yeah. Like, uh, does George Lucas have like a good sense of humor? Like, because when he's the not doing each cheap way. fart jokes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely this movie is funny. This this movie is is hilarious. Like, And it's it's funny in, in ways that... Uh, if you just describe the plot of the movie to someone, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's that's quite a dark yeah. film that goes to some, some dark places and in real epic uh, places and really, you know, really gets into the mythology of Star Wars. Yes, it does, but it also has time for, like, plenty of sight gags and physical humor and... Just like great little one-liners and the, the one-liners are king for me. It, all the humor in this movie is so well written. Mm. It doesn't rely on like Jar Jar Binks, you know, pooping in front of a, a or, or you know, smelling something he shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's all very sophisticated humor. Yeah, and, and very well timed. Yeah, yeah, and very well written. It's, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's quite something. And you know, juxtaposed with that. And everything else that you get from a Star Wars movie, there's some really great shots in that in this film. That you know, the shot where where Leia's been sucked out of the bridge of her ship and she's kind of oh like my tumbling like an angel amid this debris yeah. up into space, and and the light of the nearby sun. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing shot composition. The shot after Holdo has uh, has taken out the the, uh, oh, the Star Destroyer, yes. and everything just goes silent, silent. for a moment, and there's yeah. just the beautiful shot. Of the ship just breaking apart, like yeah. it's it's something else. And that even whole... the the landscapes, like the uh, the the POV shot from Kylo and Hooks's point of view of the crate base, yeah. where the ski speeders coming along towards them, just trailing the red, and then all of a sudden the Tie Fighters open up on them, and everything explodes in red. Yeah, twisty crate was. I mean, one of one of my very few complaints about the Force Awakens uh, was, and I understand why they did it, but was that we didn't really. Part of the appeal of the old Star Wars films and even the prequels is like seeing these really interesting new worlds. Mm. And in The Force Awakens, we mostly saw variations <laughs> on worlds that we had already seen yeah. before. Like to the point where, for example, when you know when we see Yavin Four in Rogue One, it doesn't really hit the nostalgia feels that they were going for because we effectively just D- saw D- it as the car in <laughs> The Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, 
So Takadana is Endor and Jakku is yeah, Tatooine. Yeah, and and so and like again, I get why they did that. It's meant to evoke those familiar feelings mm. and and kind of bring the franchise back from the prequel era. But um, but in this movie, it was great that we got to see that again. Like we got some of that old uh, appeal of Star Wars of like seeing these new planets. So obviously, Canto Bight was really cool. Yeah, but Crate was like next level, and it was it was like they designed a planet that would just look amazing and, like, give Ryan Johnson and his crew, like, plenty of chances to just come up with, like, incredible shots as we see that, like, that red soil, like, just, oh, my God. Like, I want to I want to go see it again right now. Yeah. Let's cancel this. Let's just go <laughs> there, to the first are, session in the morning. There are breakfast screenings happening at approximately <laughs> an hour from now. That's yeah. happening. I'm going home. I'm putting this up online. And then I'm, I'm heading to another screening yeah. 100%. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say before. Sorry, just briefly. Yes. Uh, when we were talking about seeing things in the, the Jedi books and the trailers, things like that. Ryan Johnson, not the master of misdirection we thought he was, but perhaps that was the misdirection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the things in the trailers that people bent, and including ourselves, bent themselves into shapes to explain, like, when you see this character saying this, that's not what they mean. Yeah. When you see them talking to this character, they're not talking to that character. Most of those things actually did happen in the film the way that they were shown in the trailer. <laughs> Snoke was talking about Kylo. Yeah. Uh, Kylo was targeting Princess Leia, and that's the shot of Princess Leia. And the fact that she doesn't really seem to be reacting to what's happening, that's just how it goes down in the movie. She's just very calm, ethereally calm. Um, uh, the, there's a few others. Um, oh, Luke is talking about Ray when yeah. he says, you know, he hasn't seen... Well, he's talking about Ben, but in relation to how he feels now about Ray. He's talking to Ray. He's not talking to Yoda or anything like that in that scene where he says that, you know, I've only seen this raw power once before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the temple burning down was the temple burning down in flashback. Yeah. It wasn't Ukto burning down. Yeah, um, when, when Luke says this is not going to go the way you think, he's talking to Ray. He's who, talking to Ray. Who, who's the one who's just taken him down. Yeah, he's yeah. talking to Ray about, you know teaming up with Kylo is not going to go the way you think, which is exactly what we thought it would mean in the context of the movie. Um, probably one thing we were very wrong about as well is Kylo does not show up on Akto at all. Yeah, so we've, we've said a few times throughout the pod that Kylo and the Knights of Ran would come to Akto. I think we even speculated that perhaps the force back in the force awakens of Kylo in the, in the, uh, at night in the mud and the storm was not actually a flashback, but was a flash forward to this film mm-hmm. that maybe they were dead, like caretakers or whatever, instead of dead students. <laughs> no, that was a, that was a flashback. Um, that was the, the dead students. We haven't even talked about the caretakers. They're pretty and the funny. Forms. Yeah. They're pretty funny. Uh, and the, the space <laughs> cow, I, of all the things Luke I thought I would likes see, blue milk. Uh, yeah, I did not see, I would, I did not think I would see Luke milking a space cow's udders in this film and then just giving Ray a look like, yeah, yeah. what are you going to yeah. do about it? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love just seeing Luke's like day to day routine on the island. Like he's fishing and yeah. he's not using the force to do any of that like that because he's closed himself off to the force. Like, yeah. Maybe we speculated about it. I don't know. I think a lot of people speculated about mm-hmm. that. Um, which leads to that great line from Ray later. Like, I've seen your daily routine. You're not that busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, Luke's not eating the porks. 
No, but uh, Chewy. Um, yeah, but Chewy. Yeah, Chewy's going to. Chewy wanted a few tasty boys, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't 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 really work out for him. I love the the relationship between Chewy and the Porgs. Yeah. It's beautiful. I almost want to go buy that Chewy and the Porgs book, even though it is very much a kids book, <laughs> because I just I just love that, that well, dynamic. I'll, I'll buy it then. <laughs> True, we could we could buy it for young little uh, the the young McAllister coming <laughs> yeah. along. That's how we'll justify it. Uh, but yeah, I loved any any scene that involved Chewy and the Porgs. Mm. Oh, I mean, my God, that scene with the paws like overrunning the cockpit. One of them's got the little yeah. visor around his eyes, and That's the great. so great. Or the 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 porg like who like gets thrown up against the window at one point, and like his like little teeth. Are, uh, yeah. It's beautiful. Well, my my favorite one was the porg who stayed the distance and tried to dissuade Chewie from eating the other. Yes. Oh, the close up Kentucky Fried <laughs> Porg. The sad little, the sad like, little look at that. Put him oh. like, oh, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. That was good. And it the, was beautiful. And the caretakers are worth their weight in gold too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the reaction gold, shots yeah. every time Ray would like accidentally yeah. destroy some <laughs> priceless work of Jedi history or whatever. <laughs> uh, do we think this might be the first cute Star Wars thing that there won't be a real backlash against? Because I don't see yeah, how you yeah. could see this movie and not love the Porgs. Uh, look, someone will find a way. Yeah, yeah. Someone will find a way to 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 make the porgs the only thing about this movie they hate, and they hate it so much that they'll never see it again. Yeah, I know someone will. Yeah, but that's you know it'll be a Kylo Ren level toxic fanboy. Yeah, that'll do that. I mean, let's let's spend a couple minutes on that. What we're agreed, we loved the movie. Mm, yeah, uh, I'm saying best one since the original. Where are you? Where are you uh, ranking? I'm, I'm up there with you. Yeah. All right, let's spend a couple minutes. What are the things? We shouldn't just be complete rabid fanboys about this. Uh, although I suppose no matter the people who are complaining are, are rabid fanboys in their own ways. But what do you think will be the things that people... There's always something. Mm-hmm. What do you think that people will pull out of this movie and, and be the things that, that people harp on so much that in like two years you sort of forget that people loved the movie when it came out because all we ever hear about are these things all that right. sucked? I know I know instantly what people are going to be uh, going for here. Mm. I- Leia was really far away from that ship. People can't survive that long in space. Mm. How, how did, you know, she's she's used her force powers. It's the force. Yeah, it's the force. That's all you need that to know. That is how the force works. <laughs> it's how the force works. So that's that's fine. Yeah, I mean, for all you know, Leia's force power makes her immortal. Very possibly. You know? it's It doesn't, because in episode nine, there's going to need to be an explanation <laughs> of where she is. Okay, that's bittersweet. Yeah. yeah. In many ways, it would have been better if she'd stayed behind and rammed the uh, first order. Yeah, and I'm sure ship. I'm sure they were kicking themselves about that. But, yeah. but I also like that we can just take a little time jump uh, between episode eight and nine, which I think they'll do. Yeah. Um, Battlestar style. Remember in Battlestar, there was, they landed on a planet and then they took like a little time jump and they're like, President Baltar's not working out. Everything's gone to hell. Like it's been, you know, six months or whatever yeah. since we checked in. Um, things are, things are terrible now. So I think probably between episode eight, because this one picked up right where episode seven left off. Mm-hmm. I think with episode nine, especially because it doesn't come out for a couple of years, we're going to see, um, maybe like a sort of like a six month gap or something. Enough time for Leia to have either died peacefully or, yeah. or retired or something. I'm not that sure I want to see, well, to not see Leia die off screen though. That's. But, but they, she can't die on screen. Little, little they're they're not there, going just, to. Yeah, I would. I would rather it's just she's she's gone off to be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, I think you said before, I can't remember if it was on the pod or on the... But uh, possibly shacking up with Lando. Yeah. Uh, I, I said that earlier in the car. The yeah, yeah, Shacking yeah. up with Lando. Yeah. That would be kind of great. And that would be maybe <laughs> where we'll see Lando briefly. Right, Lando finally gets what he wanted. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. They find a little happiness at the end. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, so, so I mean, Leah, Carrie Fisher, fantastic in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know um, Kathy Kennedy has talked before about how the plan was for episode seven to be... Harrison Ford's film, in terms of like the obviously yeah. these are all really Daisy Ridley's movies, but in terms of the the OT characters, mm-hmm. Episode Seven was meant to be Harrison Ford's film. Episode Eight was meant to be Mark Hamill's film, and Episode Nine was meant to be Carrie Fisher's film. And obviously that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I felt like Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, like obviously Mark Hamill probably got more screen time and maybe some of the the bigger hero moments. But Carrie Fisher had some like incredibly impactful scene definitely more she definitely had a lot more to do in this than she did in the force awakens yeah uh and it was a very fitting send-off to her i mm-hmm. think i'm um, both i mean obviously for the scene with her using her force powers that scene with luke and leia reuniting which we haven't even talked about yet yeah not a dry eye in the house and yeah. when he when she says to even him i'm so glad really yeah well, well <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah but when she says to him i think it's she says to him you know i'm glad you could be here at the end I lost it. I think uh, I think most people did. Like yeah. that's because they they couldn't have known what that would mean when no. they filmed it. There's so much in this movie that takes on these extra tones that it that was could not have been intended, but is it is what it is that we we can't help but see it that way. Um, and it's it's quite beautiful in a, yeah. a, a lot of parts of the film. And I, I didn't find much sadness in in Luke just peacefully passing away. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I was in, in this, happy, I was, sad. Yeah, I was really upset when Han Solo died, mm. for example, you know, because it was so violent and so unexpected. But have I ever told you about like how like my experience of watching Han Solo die in the theater? No, I don't know if you have. So we were because we saw it in um, uh, in Kyoto, and the audiences are very different over there. They don't react to anything. Yeah, and so like, which doesn't mean they don't like it. They just like that's you know they're very reserved. And so Han Solo dies, and I'm just like, I'm losing it. And I'm looking around like, really? Like, nobody is... Re-? And then, you know, I kind of thought, oh, well, that's just how they do things over here. Like, n- nobody, like, everyone just sort of takes things in their stride when they watch movies. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this film, sorry, you were saying uh, Mark Hamill's death, not as sad as that death in, in episode seven. Yeah, well, I just found it um, to be very, very peaceful, um, mm. you know, in the same way that I suppose... Luke was at peace at the end because mm. he knew he'd done what he needed to do to help everyone out of a sticky situation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... He'd finally kind of made peace with what his role in this was because, you know, as we said, he shut himself off both from the Force and physically from everyone else in the galaxy. Mm. Um, now he's back, in, he's back in the fight, but in a kind of unexpected way. I think, yeah, it was, it was incredibly well done. And I think it got me purely because there was a second there where it looked like he wasn't going to die. Mm. So it looked like Kylo had killed him, but then he had lived on as a force ghost. And then you realize, oh no, he was screwing with him the whole time. He wasn't even there at all. So you see Luke kind of meditating and astral projecting himself back on Arcto. And you think, sweet, Luke's around for episode nine, all good. And did you think that, that we would, that Luke would still be alive for episode nine? Yeah, I did. Because that, that, um, and then, you know, he sees the two sons, you hear Luke's theme. And My then, God. Wow. Yeah. Fluttering, okay. Fluttering cape and we're away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I said earlier, the Princess Leia uh, floating in space scene was the most powerful scene in the movie. Mm. It was probably Luke and the twin sons. Yeah. And that's when you knew, oh, okay. Like he's, that's, 
they are doing it. They are killing Luke. Yeah. But he'll still be around in episode nine as a force ghost, no mm. doubt. Do you think do you think Ray will see him as a force ghost or oh my god the episode 9 speculations already Oh here we go Do, do you think Ray will see him as a force ghost or <laughs> yeah. just just Kylo <laughs> Quite possibly Cuz I would love if he just if he was like Ray's fine Ray knows what she's doing I'm just going to haunt Kylo and just be a real jerk to Kylo all the time Cuz we've never seen that really we've ne- we've only ever seen helpful force ghosts Yes We haven't really seen like annoying force ghosts Well one we've seen one Hayden Christensen <laughs> <laughs> That, he wasn't <laughs> intending to be annoying. Though. That annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right or die for Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. I've always felt bad for Hayden about that because he didn't even know that that's... Oh, like, that footage literally comes from, like, a publicity shoot or something he was doing. He, yeah. has no, he had no idea they were ever going to use it for that. <laughs> and it's just... He, it is... It is incredibly yeah. goofy. That probably explains why uh, why it's Yoda that turns up to speak to Luke. Because we know what Yoda looks like yeah. as a Force ghost. Yeah. Anakin, a little bit. A little bit here. of conjecture, <laughs> yeah. Now, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the pod before, but I thought there was a chance Hayden might come back for this. Purely as a, a little bit of a... But both because, you know, for... for um, because it might further the story, because it makes sense for him to come back, because there's been so much talk about Darth Vader mm-hmm. and the balance of the Force. Um but also just as a little bit of a, uh, a a power move by Ryan Johnson. Like, look, I can even make Hayden Christensen look good. Like, yeah. but uh, but we don't see him in this in this movie at all. Were yeah. you surprised or disappointed by that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think bringing bringing back someone like that from the prequels who's been a disappointment to fans would have mm. been a big mistake. Mm. This film had a little bit more of a prequel vibe than Force Awakens did, in the sense that like Canto Bite was a very prequel like environment, yeah. And there's it's, it's like Naboo with a casino, yeah, yeah. And all this talk of the balance of the Force and and the at least we didn't use the M word, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought maybe the four the prequels got a little bit more into like the mythology of the Force than the original trilogy did, yeah. and that's definitely a thread that Ryan Johnson picked up on. In this movie, although ultimately only only to throw it away and to yeah. say, well, what really matters is what is what how happens you, how going you forward. Use it, yeah. 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 So in that sense, it, I mean, it's fair to say I think it's a it's a much more forward looking movie than the Force Awakens for sure. Um, yeah. The Force Awakens spent a lot of time looking back and looking back for. It's a really nice way to put it. And yeah. I, but I mean, I like the Force Awakens. Yeah. I, I thought it was, it was a great way to kickstart the franchise after so many years of being off track. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I love the Force Awakens, mm. but. Yeah, I do think episode eight. I love Force Awakens, like with the proviso, and we we always have said this that like episode eight has to be the one that pushes things forward. Then because if you like, if you don't do that with episode seven, and episode seven they did a great job of introducing new characters, and I feel like Force Awakens never gets enough credit for that because yeah. people don't realize. I don't think people realize how difficult it is or how rare it is to introduce like a new generation of characters to a franchise like this that people actually like. Yeah. Because franchises have tried this before and it usually doesn't work. People don't like the new additions. And they nailed it. You know? Yeah. They're, I'd say they're, they're four for four. Yeah. Finn, Ray, Poe and BB-8. Yeah, and Kylo, uh, Kylo as, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the guy they love to hate. Yeah, exactly. Well, which is you know that's the purpose yeah. he's meant to serve. He's, he's the most complex character in the whole franchise. Yeah, but in terms of the story, like in terms of the older characters taking a back seat and um, and pushing things forward with new uh, people in like leadership positions and stuff, this movie was was pretty uh, was pretty interesting. 
But one thing I am wondering is where are the First Order getting all their cash from? Because um, they, they've lost Starkiller Base, now they've lost the Dreadnought, and they've lost their Snoke ship as well. Yeah. What they got left? How are yeah. They, how are they going Who to is be funding a, all of this? Incredible threat. Because I assumed the money was coming from some. Well, the money's coming from, from, from Snoke or yeah, you know, somewhere in the unknown some, region. Yeah, some kind of benefactor. But is Kylo going to be able to manipulate that? Yeah. to serve himself now, it, or is the First Order going to be the one that's on the on the downturn as the Resistance kind of mm-hmm. rises again? I mean, I feel like this movie definitely that that is one of the interesting things. As much as I said that it's a forward looking movie. It's funny that we've ended up with the same status quo we had in the original trilogy, <laughs> yeah. and they get back to that very. I mean, they get back to that in the opening crawl of this movie. That you know, the first order reigns. Uh, the resistance is this plucky band of rebels who are fighting them, and the resistance is repeatedly referred to as rebel scum throughout this movie. Yeah, that's great. Uh, <laughs> oh. And they, <laughs> it's the that time of night. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's very much. Um, Finn even refers to himself as rebel scum. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're hundred percent by the end of the movie back in this position where the first where the the first order is the empire for all intents and purposes. The rebellion is the is the resistance is the rebellion, and I know that's kind of how it was in the Force Awakens too, but it was a little bit confusing politically in terms of like, mm. but but why are the resistance so down at heel if the First Order are the ones on the outskirts of yeah of space? But n- now it all kind of makes. I think sense. a couple of cut scenes would have explained that, and mm. uh, I, I think those scenes were cut to give Leia her big entrance later on. Mm. Isn't that right? So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier scenes with Leia yeah. uh, had her sending off. Uh, the, the her, name escapes me, but she's age. in the, yeah, <laughs> her age. She's in the in the screen for, on screen for one scene, so I think it's fine that we've forgotten the name. But um, but yeah, her had her sending her away to to uh, Hosnian Prime, and they explained a little bit more about like you know the resistant the Republic supports us, but not really like they they're not actively opposed to us, but they also don't really like fund us or anything. Yes. Um, but then there is no Republic anymore, so it's not really no. a concern. And doesn't Holdo refer to them as rebels as well as they're leaving the uh, the cruiser? Yeah, farewell rebels. Yeah, yeah, you know, go you rebels, something yeah, like something like rebels. that. Laura Dern, Laura Dern was great in this movie. Like, I I would love to hear, and I'm sure we will at some point. Why that? Like, I think it's interesting that that character was brought in at all because you could have just as easily had Leia serve as that character throughout the whole movie rather than have Leia in a coma and then have Holdo brought in to essentially take the Leia role. But I suppose Poe wouldn't have had that conflict with Leia because he would have inherently trusted Leia Mm. and Leia would have also just trusted him as she does at the beginning of the movie to go off and go off book and do his own thing. Um, I suppose in a way we we could have had Admiral Ackbar fulfill that role too, but... True. It's, it's much better if you hire a, a really good actor. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I'm not complaining. I thought Holder. Yeah, I thought she was great. It's just interesting that they that they did that rather than just have Carrie Fisher have a have a more prominent role throughout yeah. the entire film. But but like I say, it's probably because the dynamics wouldn't have worked there the same way between her and Bo. I'm still sad about Admiral Ackbar. Like no no one's going to be talking about him when I see the movie the second time. I'm definitely going to be looking out for Admiral Ackbar's death. Well, a bit you more. probably won't see it. Well. I'll, I'll pull one. As, whenever I get the feeling he's died, anyway, I'll pull. I'll pull one out for Akbar. But uh, yeah, it's as if a great many people, a great many fish went blah blah. <laughs> I was suddenly silent. We will. We will miss Akbar. That is for sure. Um, possibly that was because Akbar's voice actor passed away. Yes, between episode seven and eight. Although, as as he said on the way over. 
A lot of people can do the Akbar voice. It would have well, been or, fun. Or think they can. Yeah. And, and can't, as I've just proved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any, I'm sure we're going to come back and do a more uh, in-depth yes. review or at least a more, uh, I guess maybe just briefly before we wrap this up, uh, the film camp stuff that obviously we devoted a fair bit of time to in previous weeks. So you mm-hmm. mentioned Sahara and you, so you were saying you think Sahara was probably the most uh, prominent of the well, film camp? Well, I, just in terms of the overall structure of the film, mm. it's it's a long chase with dwindling resources and and uh, dying personnel, uh, which ends in a last stand mm. that they in a location that they can't evacuate. Mm. Um, it, it sounds very much like Sahara in terms mm. of the overall structure, but as you say, the um, the leadership struggles are very twelve o'clock high. Mm. Um, so I mean, the choreography of the scene where Kylo and Ray are fighting the Praetorian Guard. Very uh, three outlaw samurai. samurai. The scene, where, uh, that sort of free for all brawl yeah, yeah. in three outlaw samurai, and then also the that scene. That was a where... great fight, by the way. Um, and the the static camera down the barrel, of yeah, back to back for the, the first I don't know twenty seconds of that fight, uh, just amazing. Some amazing kills in that fight yeah. as well. Like when Ray throws the saber <sighs> over the Kylo, he just switches it on, and that's all he's yeah. going to do. That smoking hole in the Praetorian Guard's head. <laughs> My God, it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many things to geek out over in this movie. I know. Uh, but um, and obviously we, we, we've talked about the little canto bite influences from To Catch Thief. Yeah. Um, Bridge in the River Kwai. I suppose <laughs> the bond between Kylo and Ray. I think so, yeah. That's all. Is, is... And we never considered that at the time, but... Oh, I think we talked about oh, that we? at the time. Did we yeah. talk about that at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've been pretty consistent that this whole... Yeah. <laughs> Unlikely allegiances thing would be building to it. Okay, yeah. That thing yeah, would be did, shown yeah, with Kylo and Ray. Let's give ourselves some credit. Okay, you know? sorry, uh, but uh, but but yeah. So so uh, three. But Bridge on the Rookway definitely didn't seem like a major influence to me. Maybe also just that just that general theme of like like we've talked about before of overwhelming odds and you know the good guys pushed to the end of their rope. Like because the resistance were really up against it in this movie. Yeah. A lot of casualties. Um, they I, I, all looked lost for them multiple times throughout the movie. I thought we would see a, a character who would develop the kind of cynicism that Shears showed in that movie, mm. but we never really did. I think most of the the characters stayed their course. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, know, Finn like Finn became the, more yeah, heroic throughout the course of the exactly, movie for yeah. sure. Um, and Ray, everybody started the movie a little bit unsure of who they were, and then found out who they were over the course of the movie, mm. um, which I know, I think Ryan Johnson a long time ago talked about that maybe being one of the themes of the movie. And I mean like everybody. So like that includes Luke Skywalker in a big way, not just the young uh, characters. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, that was cool. Um, Let it never sent. I, I really didn't. Yeah. I'd have to. Just, just I, the, uh, the risk taking camera work. Yeah, I, I suppose. suppose. I'd really yeah. have to rewatch it and there's probably specific shots or something that, that are very similar to Letter Never Send if you mm. if you're looking for it with that eye. But to be honest, this time I was just trying to take it all in. Yeah. And... There wasn't the, the hostility of nature, but there was certainly unrelenting hostility throughout mm. the whole film. Yeah. You know, from another agency. But Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there wasn't that kind of battle against the elements that we thought there might be based no. on Letter Never Sent. Yeah. But there's just that, that... It, it doesn't stop when people are dying and it doesn't stop mm. when pe- more people die and mm. then we're at this crazy conclusion. Mm. Gunga Dean, I suppose, similar thing to Sahara, like in terms of yeah, those, you know, that ragtag group like holding down their position at the end of the movie against the hordes and hordes of 
of the thuggy cultists yes. um, is similar to... I remember during that, we, we talked about Snoke being possibly taken hostage or, or being even killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think... I think uh, in terms of, like, which episode can we point to, like, oh, hey, like, we actually got some things right. <laughs> the Kylo Ren episode is the banner. I think that's where we first talked about Kylo, the plot of the movie being that, you know, Kylo would overthrow Snoke and then Kylo would lead the the attack on Crate or whatever. But I don't, I'd have to go back and listen to it, which I'm probably not going to do, to be fair. Um, so he, He's a terrible strategist. Yeah, he's not great. We, we've been through that before, but he, he's an awful. He's not going to lead the first. He's order not great. Else. He needs to start listening to Hux a little bit more. Yeah, and even even Hux. Yeah, they're yeah. both they're both so angry, yeah. and it, it clouds their decision. Oh my god, we haven't even talked about the scene where Hux. Uh, am I still on hold? <laughs> <laughs> can he hear me? Yeah. I, that, that was he this, can hear me. That was this movie's who talks, who talks first. first. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Poe is, Poe is so good. I love that moment where, where Hux comes across the, uh, to all intents and purposes, wounded, you know, or possibly dead body of Kylo and just kind of slowly reaches yeah. for his gun. Yeah. Kylo, Kylo wakes up, up and he, he just, realizes yeah. he's missed his chance. <laughs> and that when he first tries to assert himself as the new leader of the, the First Order, and then it's like, oh, wait, no, only yeah. one of you has, like, incredible <laughs> force powers. This is actually quite a straightforward decision. Uh, so yeah, that was great. Uh, what were the other the other film camp films? Um, uh, Three Atlas Samurai, Bridge on the River Kwai, Gunga Dean, Sahara, Letter Never Sent, Twelve O'clock High, Twelve O'clock High. Okay, and then uh, To Catch a Thief. So that's all of them. We've been through all of them. We've yeah. been through all of them. All right. Look, it's four thirty. We're running on fumes <laughs> at this point. Look, we're excited, and you know the start the the only espresso martini we really needed was the excitement of a new Star Wars film. I think so, but also literal espresso martinis helped <laughs> as well. But I think it might be time to uh, to wrap this up, uh, and we'll come revisit the Last Jedi many many times over the coming weeks. Yeah. I'm, so I'm you sure. know, um, leave it a decent amount of time so that everyone in the world has a chance to see it. But you know. Then you can tweet us and tell us what you thought. Yeah, exactly. I mean, tell us what you think for sure, but maybe just don't tweet any like yeah any open spoilers. Just slide at us. into our DM. Yeah, that's right. As the kids say, yeah, shoot us some emails. Oh, I've gotten a few reader emails that I've, uh, we'll visit them in a, a next mm. next episode. But uh, yeah, the lots to talk about. Lots lots of exciting stuff coming up as well. Now that we're kind of out of the last Jedi hype phase and yeah. now we can now start focusing on both like breaking down the last jedi in more detail but then also moving on to like totally unrelated things and 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 maybe some movies that relate um purely to the older films and yeah and we uh, can start talking about solo yeah that's yeah that's interesting <laughs> like i really haven't given much thought to solo at all i definitely haven't considered how it's going to factor into this pod like i don't know any films we should be looking at for inspiration or anything with uh with solo but i guess lucasfilm the lucasfilm machine has done what it does they've put they've kept all the focus on the last jedi very smartly Mm -hmm. we haven't seen a trailer we've barely i think we've had that one like one sheet with the with the logo um as far as like posters go for solo and even then i don't think that's officially been released just leaked here and there Um, i've loved the this press tour you're right it's they really smartly put the focus on last jedi and Mark Hamill has been a star. Yeah, and that, that's why I hope he's still there as a Force Ghost in Episode yeah. Nine because he's such an asset to the promoting these movies. Life. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, the only problem I have with when characters come back as ghosts is that it always seems 
pointless because there's no there's no vulnerability to them. They can't have any real development that's mm. meaningful. Um, but I'm not sure that's true anymore because Yoda in this film actually you know showed both characters has grown as a character and had a really meaningful thing to do in the plot. So, yeah, you know, he actually affected the real world in a very significant way. Yeah, that's yeah. something to take from this movie. I mean, Ryan Johnson made ghosts work and were very impactful. Oh, yeah. also, um. I guess we're not worried about China anymore because uh, with episode seven, a lot of the people were speculating that there were there were no force ghosts in episode seven, even though there was a couple sequences where it would have made sense mm-hmm. to at least see like Darth Vader or whatever, because um, because in China they have a, a law that films can't feature like any supernatural elements or okay. they get censored um, or you know banned, and um, and so, obviously, with China being such a huge source of revenue for film studios now, it doesn't make sense to do anything that could potentially get you banned in China. The giant hole in that in that logic, obviously, is that uh, the force is pretty supernatural. Yeah. Whether you're a ghost or not, um, just using the force at all is pretty supernatural. <laughs> yeah, and um, you're just an alien, too. Well, sure, so who knows? But uh, <laughs> but this film, they went all out with the supernatural stuff. Yeah. There was no fear of ghosts. And also... Uh, uh, Coco um, has tons mm. of ghosts in it, and it just made a ton of money in in China. Yeah, okay. So I guess they're not worried. They ain't afraid of no ghosts anymore mm. in China. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's the last Jedi. The last Jedi. As as Baz says, uh, tweet us at Force Material. Uh, hit us up on you know uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, shoot us an email at forcematerial at gmail dot com if you want to talk about the movie. We're always up for it. Uh, and uh, until then, I guess we'll see you next yeah. week. Um, just before we go, one sentence to sum up what you think of The Last Jedi. Oh, God. Um, uh, perfect. perfect. It was perfect. Perfect. How about you? I'm thinking go big or go home. Yeah. Like, everything in it is supersized. They're all using their abilities, you know, beyond what we've seen before. Yeah. Now they're all becoming... Much larger versions themselves. Yeah, they went yeah. big. Yeah. They went big. It's huge. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing what everybody else had to say about it anyway, and, mm. and also getting my own thoughts in order once I've seen it a few more times. <laughs> uh, I'm Rowan Williams. And I'm Baz McAllister. And you've just taken your first step into a larger world.